always say you have to celebrate the small victories because there's um, obviously so many ups and downs. So we've had a ton of you know small little things, but I think probably the biggest moment we've had so far after that was probably um, being one of our bags being featured on Oprah's favorite thing. So cool. Hi everybody, given that I'm from Philadelphia, I absolutely love when I have the opportunity to feature Philadelphia entrepreneurs. So today I am super excited to share my conversation with my friends Neely and Chloe Birch, who both were born and raised right outside of Philadelphia and we actually went to high school right down the street from one another. So Neely and Chloe are sisters, only 13 months apart. Neely is 27 and Chloe is 26 and they come from a long line of family members in the fashion industry, including their dad and uncle, who started Eagle's Eye, their cousins, Louisa and Pookie Birch, who started Trademark, and of course, the one and only iconic Tori Birch is their aunt. In the fall of 2016, Neely and Chloe decided to pave their very own path in the fashion industry and launched Neely and Chloe in New York City, which features a wide variety of affordable go-to accessories, such as handbags, wallets, footwear, and so much more. I purchased my Weekender bag a few weeks ago, and I use it every single day. Throughout our conversation, Neely and Chloe tell us all about their entrepreneurial journey as sisters. We talk about navigating the fundraising world. We talk about aha moments, such as when their product was featured on Oprah's top 100 list, how they divide and conquer, how they deal with setbacks, and so much more. Stand by. This sister duo is on to something so incredible. I can't wait to watch them continue to grow and explode in the fashion industry. So welcome, Neely and Chloe, to High Five Success Stories. So excited to have you guys here. Um, And I love when I have the opportunity to interview people from Philadelphia. As we all know, Philadelphia gets smaller by the day. And you guys were um, a couple years behind me. You went to high school right down the street. So Agnes Erin, and then I was at Notre Dame. So as a result, we have lots of mutual friends. And like I was telling you guys before we started, I've been living in my Weekender bag. I legit love it. I live in um, Center City, Philadelphia, but work in the suburbs, so my life is half in the city, half in the burbs, so I always bring that bag with me literally every single day, and not only is it so easy to carry everything, but it's so cute. I've gotten tons of compliments, and I'm going on a bachelorette this weekend, and I heard that it fits in like the carry-on above the seats. It does. Oh, good. Okay, so I'm excited to use it there. Um, But anyways, I thought we'd start out by having you guys provide us with a little bit of background on where you both grew up, obviously in Philadelphia, and where you went to high school and what it was like growing up together as sisters only a year apart. So up to you guys who wants to take the reign on this one. Okay, great. Um, Well, this is Chloe speaking. Sometimes we sound alike. (laughs) Um, But thank you so much for having us. We're really excited. Um, And yeah, so we grew up grew up outside of Philadelphia, uh, as you mentioned. Uh, Neil and I both went to uh, high school as well, kindergarten through 12th grade at um, Agnes Irwin, okay. which is an, all, an all-girls school. Mm-hmm. Um, we loved it. Um, and, um, our, you know, our family, both my parents were in the fashion industry. We grew up talking about it all the time. Um, and so it was kind of natural for us to evolve into the fashion world. Um, but we, um, growing up as sisters, um, we were forced to be best friends. <laughs> <I guess laughs> we weren't left much of a choice in the matter. Yeah. Right. Um, but 
But yeah, so it was really, um, you know, we're only a year apart, so we are very close. We have a lot of the same friends still. Um, and, um, you know, we, we shared a room until the 11th grade, and Chloe was in the 10th grade. Oh, we wow. Ended up going to college together, and now we work together. We also live together in New York. Um, other people seem to be a bit confuddled by that, but. Um, you know, I think for us, it's we're so close and we're so in sync that it's basically like living with yourself, which is great, but also right. always having a pal around. Oh, good. Um, my parents would be the first to tell you, particularly my dad, that it was his goal in life to turn us into best friends, and there was there's not a whole lot of arguing that can happen with him. Right, so, Emil, you're um, you're one year older, right? I'm one year older. Okay, thirteen months. Wow. Um, but Chloe, as Chloe said, I mean, especially because we went to college together and. Agnes are for so long. We have a really tight knit group of friends that sort of bridge the gap between the two ages, um, and it's been really fun. Oh, nice! I love that. Um, and then, obviously, like you said, a lot of your family members are in the fashion industry. So the one and only Tori Burch, obviously. And then, um, uh, based on my research, your dad and cousins were too, or are. Um, so, at what point in your childhood did you start to become curious or passionate about the industry? Do you guys remember? Chloe was, Chloe was sort of always, I was a little bit more of a tomboy. Okay. Chloe was a little bit more of a little fashion girl. Chloe had a little bit of an obsession with pack packs or okay. backpacks. <laughs> yeah. But she, I mean, I like, collected them. I had like 97. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, we just, our, one of our probably favorite anecdotes is that like we were the girls that came downstairs for the seventh grade dance and you know, 95% of dads were like, oh, honey, you look so sweet, and turn back to the football game or whatever it is they're doing. And our dad was like, are you sure you should be wearing a cap sleeve? Or I'm not really quite bothered about that hemline. And you're like, that, that's not normally what fathers say to the so funny. daughters. So we were sort of had an, had an eye um, that was developed earlier than most, and we grew up talking about art and design. I particularly fell in love with the art world a little bit sooner than the fashion world. Um, okay. I was an art history major at Washington and Lee, and uh, actually worked at Sotheby's for a bit, which I'll tell you guys about um, okay. right out of school, but you know, we just grew up in a house where we talked about design and aesthetic, and um, we, we grew to love it through our time uh, in high school, and then I think probably by lack of ability to shop in college, we felt like we we realized what we really missed. Right. Um, and then really the business came from a void that we felt and we were we were dealing with as consumers. So okay. um, that's sort of how, and, when we started and how we felt about it. And what did your dad start to? Was it Eagle's Eye it was called? Yeah. So our dad and his brother ran a company. They started by selling sweaters out of the trunks of their car in college. So they used cool. to go out to the outlets and buy sweaters and then bring them back to the girls' dorms at – Denison and Ithaca, okay. and they would, um, they started selling them, it was called Eagle's Eye, it was a women's and children's knitwear business, Okay. and they ran it for about 30, 25, 30 years, they okay. sold it in the late 80s or early 90s, um, okay. and you know, my dad will be the first one to tell you that he was ready to get out of the retail business, um, and then, you know, 15 or so, 20 years later, we came knocking, and we're like, excuse <laughs> me, we'll bring you back, please, so it's been an incredible support for us um that's actually where my parents met too so we've spent we, we work 
uh, pretty closely with them still, whether it's getting design guidance and thoughts on silhouettes and shape from my mom or yeah. real business um, operations and management uh, input and advice from my dad. So we're very, very lucky to have a supportive family, both immediate and extended. Yeah. Um, I read a little um, the blog you wrote about your mom for Mother's Day, too. I thought that was really sweet. Yeah. 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 And then... It's- She's. I hope one day I'll be as chic as she is. She's. She's a really incredible woman, and um, we take a ton of our inspiration from her. Yes. And then, what did your cousin start to? I was doing a little bit of research on that. Yeah. So they started a company. Um, it, it originally started as a clothing and accessories company called Trademark. Okay. Um, and I believe it launched in two thousand fourteen. 2013 or 2014, 2014, okay. 2014. Um, and they originally started doing clothes, and I think they, um, they're very different than, than us, they have a much different, a uh, very different look okay. than we do, um, and much more advanced, a little bit of a higher price point, Okay. Um, but they are yeah, focusing on accessories too, so they do shoes, jewelry, handbags, um, I think maybe one or two other things, okay. but they're, they're great, and um, the stuff is so beautiful. They're so talented. Um, and, you know, they're a sister duo, too, and from Philadelphia. So it's really it's fun to, to relate and talk about the ups and downs with okay. them. Okay. Very cool. So you have your parents, your cousins, and then Tori Birch, obviously, too. Has she been a sounding board for you throughout the years since you guys started? Yeah, she um, – I mean, you can't really look for a better role model right. <laughs> than Tori. And, um you know, we, we really look up to her and see what she's built and hope that, you know, we can build a sliver of that. But um, she is um, always here to listen. I mean, she's incredibly busy, but when, whenever we need advice or help on anything, she's she's there and is very supportive and um, has been great. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Um, so, so Neely, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your story prior to Neely and Birch. Neely and Chloe, sorry. Um, so... Yeah. About, you know, I know you guys both went to the same college, Washington and Lee, and then maybe tell us a little bit about life right after college, because I know you started, I was doing a little bit of reading on Neely by V&B, so I would love for you to talk yeah. about that, too. Absolutely. So I, um, as I mentioned, went to w Washington and Lee, down in Virginia, um, and I was an art history major, and sort of, I, I, I always loved history and had never taken an art history class and kind of walked into the classroom unaware and fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. Um and I, um, you know, I spent uh, four years there doing that, and then I went into the art world. I did a couple internships in the art world and then graduated and went to work at Sotheby's. Okay. Um, so I, um, I was there for about nine months or so before I jumped ship. Um, and really what had, we had been talking about, and it was a lot of working with my dad at that point, I tried to convince Chloe to come work with me right upon graduation, but she had her heart set on something else. And, okay. Uh, we had looked at WNL, which I'm not sure if any of you are familiar with it, but it's a very, very small school in the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia. It's okay. a tiny little town called Lexington um, that has, like, one little boutique and a couple of restaurants, but not not much to speak of outside of the two universities that are there. Okay. Um, but, you know, we had the FedEx man coming to the Kappa Kappa Gamma house twice a day because girls were ordering so much off of ShopBop. Right. So sort of the idea was, um, you know, shopping is a really social experience and you should really be able to engage in that with your friends. So since there were so many schools scattered around the country without access to it, we might as well uh, bring them out and to them. 
Okay. So we went out and we bought an Airstream trailer and we retrofitted it and outfitted it and turned it into a boutique. Okay. And we brought onboarded about 30 brands. Um, we were buying wholesale, selling retail. And over a course of about a year and a half, we popped up about 50 different locations up and down the East Coast. So cool. So you went yeah, to a bunch of, was it colleges and other locations too? Like most, So mostly colleges was okay. our focus. And we learned a lot. We learned a lot about the consumer. We learned a lot about what she wanted and what she didn't want. Okay. Um, and what we found out was that the college consumer was actually pretty happy with the options we had you know she either was very price conscious and was shopping at h&m or zara because it was more about quantity over quality or okay. they had mom and dad's credit card and didn't really care as much got it um, okay and what we did find though was when we did suburban pop-ups or summer pop-ups in different beach locations or destinations we had um women in their 20-somethings and 30-somethings getting really, really excited about a unique curation, something new and different, and a high-quality product at at an attainable price point. So we always knew we wanted to make our own products. Um, We learned a lot from being on the road, namely that running a retail business out of an Airstream trailer is incredibly difficult for lots of various reasons. Right. Um, And so we decided to transition away from being a retailer and competing as a little guy in the retail world and launch our own our own brand um, under our own name. So it was at that point when Chloe was at J. Crew. Okay. So diving into me, I uh, I graduated from Washington Lee as well, um, just one year after Neely. I was a history major there. Um, and um, during my senior year, I knew I wanted to, all my internships had been kind of in the fashion world or related to the fashion world. So, um, and I knew I wanted to, end up there. So I accepted a job um, at J. Crew in their merchandising department. Okay. Um, so I was there right after I graduated till um, August of 2015. Um, and it was really great. I learned uh, a lot of about, you know, business and planning and numbers, and then also about the creative side, designing and um, all of that fun stuff. So I uh, was there for a little over a year. Okay. And then Neely finally convinced me to leave. It took a lot of convincing. I like a very regimented person, so um, I liked, uh, you know, the. I thought I liked the nine to five. The corporate side, yeah. Um, and then um, I left and never looked back. Um, and um, it's, we spent yeah. about a year working on the business, um, everything from the design concepts to the branding to fundraising. Okay, um, that was. That, Chloe left J. Crew in August or September of 2015. Okay. And then we launched the business a year later. I love that. So did it sort of evolve Neely out of um, Neely by VNB by yeah, based on what you learned? I mean, I think okay. When we launched Neely by VNB, we always knew that we wanted to do our own product. That was always okay. something we wanted to work towards. I think initially we really felt like that was something that was going to happen gradually over time. So we, we always talked about it was sort of a Netflix or an HBO model, okay. right? Like you stream content from other people, um, or in this case, you bring in products from other people to give, to sell and to watch how people react to it. And then as you start to learn what they like and what they don't like and what they're missing, you begin to introduce your own. Okay. Um, but rather than do it gradually, you know, it was, we learned so much um, about the Airstream. We learned so much about being a retailer. Um it was such a challenge to compete with the larger guys, with the sacks and the shop bops of the world. Right. The, the ongoing discounts they can run and all of that. Okay. Um, and the sort of negotiating power and leverage they hold with the brands themselves. 
um, that we decided to transition abruptly rather than gradually to our own line instead. I but love that. It completely that. informed what the product looked like. It totally it it was it's the total reason we landed on our price point, the sweet spot that we found that's like under three hundred and twenty five dollars. Okay. Um, and it's why we landed on this quality level too. We were just like, you know, this is what needs to happen. Um, it's, it's stuff has got to be this nice, this well made. Right. Um, and yeah. I- and then can you tell us a little bit about, you know, all the different products that you guys offer too? Because like I said, I'm obsessed with my Weekender bag, which is, you know, basically that I can travel, I use every day, but I can also use on, you know, long weekend trips with my girlfriends. Um, so what other products you guys um, offer? I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, absolutely. So we, um, everything in the brand retails for under 300, 328 is our most expensive price point, which is our, uh, wonderful weekender bag that you've got Mm -hmm. um i think a really important key like uh concept that runs through all the products is the intersection of um form and function so we want them to be beautiful we want them to you to feel like it's something really special something you're really excited about but we also want it to really work and we want there's small details in a lot of the products that you'll find um that really allow you to function at your best level because the, they're there to facilitate and help that. So whether that's like our little flat clutches that okay. have credit card holders inside or our zip pouch in the, um, in our tote bags that is removable and can double up as a clutch. Um, the, these bags are really made for the woman who's running around and trying to get everything done and um, meant to help support and make her life easier. But um, we make leather goods. We make leather goods and shoes. Um, we love small structured statement bags. Mm-hmm. So whether that's our lady bag or our horse hair bucket bag, they're really, really fun options, um, especially for the summertime. Um, and then we do great classic items. So whether it's a cosmetic case or a tote bag, um, these are all sort of the essentials. Mm-hmm. We call a part of our essentials checklist. So you you know, every woman's got to have a clutch. She's got to have a tote. She's, she's got to have a cosmetic case. Um, and we're really here to help her help outfit her with those. I love it. And who's your target audience again? Because you mentioned before that. Yeah, so I think that's a really interesting question for us because we came out of the gate with an extremely um, narrow vision of who that would be, right? It was young women, millennials, coming out of college, sort of ready to take things up a notch from Sarah and H&M, but mm-hmm. didn't want to do the J. Crew that their moms or their aunts or their, you know, who every, felt like everybody was doing. They wanted something special and unique. Um, and we really do facilitate to that woman. I mean, she's really here. She's a really core part of our customer base. Mm-hmm. But what's been really fun for us to see is how multi-generational the brand's been. I mean, we okay. have women that come in that buy stuff for themselves and for their daughters. Um, we see elder women buying it. We see moms buying it. We even see, like, high schoolers that are coming in with their parents. They want to buy something. So I think, um, you know, one of the core core. Um, values is the sort of lack of branding that you see on all of our products and that is really driven by the fact that they're all meant to be customized and they're all meant to be so you can put your own stamp on them so I think for us um, creating these products that are clean and understated um, has really allowed them to appeal to a really wide uh, group of women and it's been really fun to watch the different types of women that come in and how they merchandise their own bags and who wears what with what and um that's awesome. Everyone customizes them. has been really interesting to yeah. see, too. 
I love that. I um I was looking on your website the other night with my mom and she is like, you know, in her late sixties and she was loving all the product too and I'm thirty, so um right. definitely. But um would love to hear about that first year too, because a lot of times what I talk about with people I interview are um naysayers. So did you guys encounter any naysayers or did you guys have any feelings of self doubt during, you know, that first year? And if so, how did you not fall victim to them? It's a really good question. I mean I think um some one you know when you're casually socially talking about things somebody's got to be pretty out there to give you negative right. <laughs> feedback so it doesn't happen it didn't happen to us a ton socially we are we both feel very lucky to have like really supportive friends and family that um were so helpful to us during that year but i think one area where it's it's really in your face and there's no Avoiding it is in fundraising. Okay. Uh, so, so we spent six months. We raised just over a million dollars. And, um, you know, most of our contacts are between New York and Philadelphia. It was friends and family and angel investors. Okay. And Chloe and I literally, for six months, every day, we were on 95 back and forth between Philly and New York, meeting with different people. Um, and I think there were, you know, we learned a ton. Neither one of us had any sort of financial background or business background. So mm-hmm. I think it really forced us to get comfortable with all of the financial accounting and statements and everything that goes along with starting a business, which was very important. Um, and we really were able to take ownership of it. But it puts you across the table, especially with this kind of investing. Everybody's going to come from a different background. Everybody's going to have different questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really forced us to get get a good look at every facet of the business, really understand all the different, all the nuances. Um, and get, we got some really, really interesting feedback. And okay. I mean, I can... We ended up with probably 13 or 14 investors, and we met with upwards of 60 people. Some of these we knew were just going to be just like, we just want to get your feedback and your opinion, or hope one day they might sit on a board or something of that nature. But, like, you get hard and fast no's for sure. Right. Um, I think what we, you know, and a lot of times... It's because who you're sitting across the table with, especially when you're fundraising for a woman's business, yeah. is very often not a woman, and it's not somebody that understands the space from a personal level. So if you're a 65-year-old man and you're sitting across the table and you're like, why on earth would there need to be another handbag brand out there? I can't even begin to understand that. Um, you know, when you're not familiar with the experience a woman goes through when she's trying to find something that's perfect for her, it feels special, but is made well and not too expensive and isn't so overproduced and mass consumed. It's, Mm -hmm. I think that's a very understandable reaction. Um, so, you know, we, I think one of the most important things is to just find confidence in your convictions and realize that you've come this far for a reason and you're, you're, you're putting, you know, all your mental, emotional energy, professional energy, everything behind it. Um, and just stick to your guns. It's sort of the roller coaster of a time, I think no matter who you are and what you're doing. I mean, if you're not meeting with people that are giving you pushback, I'd say you're probably not meeting with enough people. Yeah. Because there's going to be people that don't get it, and that's always that's going to be okay, and you just got to stick stick to your guns and realize that, um, you know, it's exciting, but it's it's not supposed to be easy. Yeah. It's funny. Um, through this whole podcasting, I've learned a lot about fundraising, so I don't know that much about it, but – but the different people I've interviewed, the different companies, a lot of them have gone through similar experiences. Um, so Susie Welsh Divine, I interviewed. Yeah. Do you guys know her? Yeah. So she, box, right? yeah, she has been to a box. Yep. Yeah. And she had the same experience. Obviously, she's selling like a woman product. But um, 
I know there's some statistic where I think over 90% of investors are men. So you really yeah. are selling to men most of the time. So yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's actually, it's like a, just a quick anecdote. Yeah. It's something that we, by, when we got this list of potential investors and we started looking at it, we were like, this is, this list is 95% men. Yeah. And my mom had recently made a little investment on her own and she was so excited about it. And, um, it was, it, she was just, you know, she was excited to check it and promote the brand and really get it out there. And we said to ourselves, like, there's a lot of, whether they're wives of men on this list or women in their own right, that we should be talking to that, you know, not only can they function as investors, but they can really function as ambassadors for your brand, um, which has so, so much value in it. If you have, you know, if you had had 14, 15 women investors and they were, every time they came to New York City, they were like, you got to see this brand, you got to buy these products, like I'm a part of it, I'm so excited. That would make a really big impact um, if you're a young company. So we actually... Before we kicked off any investment meetings, we held, hosted a little evening um, where we invited like probably like 20 or 30 women, okay. and we gave our pitch and presentation to them. And I think we ended up with, of those 20 women, four of them ended up investing in the company. Wow. Um, yeah. So I think, cool. I, mean, I think that was exactly what we went through. We were like, we're going to go sit across from all of these men, and they're not going to really... Here, I mean, they're all so smart, and they've done this a lot, and they can un- they can look at numbers, and they can understand outside of their personal experience, whether this is or isn't something that's right for them. But, um, you know, we wanted to get feedback from women. And also, like, even if only four of them invested, you still have a group of 20 women that's excited when your sales come online the very, very first day. Yeah. I love that. I'm glad that we talked about investing because obviously that wasn't one of our questions. But um, I think it's um, important for people to, to hear about, especially listeners that may be, you know, in the midst of starting their own company and everything. Um, so I also wanted to ask you guys, um, with a lot of the entrepreneurs that I've interviewed, they say that they become so passionate and excited about their idea that suddenly doors begin to open. So did you guys have any major breaks during, um, that first year or up until now that really helped you get off the ground? Or I guess you could also call it an aha moment. Um, so I think our, our first big thing was our launch was featured on Vogue.com, which was very exciting. Definitely a pinch yourself moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So that was very, very exciting. Um, And I think, uh, obviously, there's been tons of, you know, we say you have to celebrate the small victories because there's um, obviously so many ups and downs. So we've had a ton of, you know, small little things. But I think probably the biggest moment we've had so far after that was probably – one of our bags being featured on Oprah's favorite thing. So cool. So yeah, so that was featured. It came out November second, I think. Okay. Um, and it was a very, very exciting moment. We found out about a month and a half before, and we're told over and over again how confidential it was. Okay. <laughs> we didn't say anything. So, um, so we knew for about a month and a half, and then we told we, our we told our parents, and then next thing we were getting emails from people that my dad had told. We were like, Dad. Oh my god.
is brand exposure. And the more people we can get in touch with, the more people we can uh, expose the brand to, um, you know, the more traction we're going to gain. So I think that was a really, really valuable thing for us. And these were all people in the middle of the country or, you know, that West Coast or Texas that we weren't, we weren't hitting with our current um, networks of people. So it, it was really, really valuable. And we've seen a, like a steadily increase traffic since then, which has been great. And when was that again? That was like, was it six months or so ago? Okay. Got it. Um, that's awesome. So, and then another question I have for you guys is, you know, obviously a lot of times listeners put my guests on pedestals because obviously, you know, you guys have had a lot of success. But as we all know, we all have setbacks um, and failures. So can you tell us a couple stories um, about, you know, any time you guys have failed within, you know, since you guys started the company and how you persevered and or pivoted and kind of overcame the setback? Yes. Yeah. There, there are many. Yeah, there are so many. <laughs> how have you I mean, I think Chloe sort of mentioned this, but what we try to say is we really like to celebrate all of our, even our small successes, okay. whether it's hitting a sales plan or having a great trunk show or doing more, more Oprah's favorite things, they all should be celebrated because there are going to be periods of time where it feels like you're hitting a lot of brick walls and it feels like things aren't working out. And um, I think celebrating the little things um, gets you to a place where you feel like you can handle that. Yeah. Um, I think um, we were really set back with opening our Atlanta store on time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I think that was really hard mainly because it was so out of, it, it had a number of factors, but um, basically we had a very difficult time dealing with the landlord and the contractor and okay. we couldn't get in. We, we got in about a month late, which really was, we were very unhappy about. Okay. Um, but it's one of those things you're in the moment and you have to deal with it and there's always a, a plan B and something I've learned with this job is that you have to remain flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so would love to hear how you guys um, divide and conquer too as sisters. That's a really good question. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for a while we actually were kind of both doing everything. Um, we approved everything by one another and um, ran everything by each other. And, and it worked for a while it because a while. we lived together so we're really together all the time. Okay. We actually found that it was harder for the girls that worked with us because we would go home and we'd make all these decisions together at nighttime and then two days later they would be like, what happened with this? We're like, oh yeah, we moved on. Right, yeah, okay. Um, but we've since really sat down. I mean, we're, we're busier now than we've ever been. Um, our team is growing and, it, and I think uh, something that was sort of getting lost in that system that's been really important that we really brought to the forefront is accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard. No, nobody's trying to place blame on anyone for anything, but when there is a missed sales plan or when there is a project that gets derailed or doesn't quite get wrapped up the way it should, um, a lot of times that's happening because we're we weren't really sure who was handling what. Um, so we've since sat down and sort of broken it down. We have pretty different skill sets, I would say. Mm-hmm. Chloe is. I, I will brag for her, but is far more detail oriented than me, and really is the executor of the two. Okay. Um, she's great at being like, "Here's my list of 15 things I have to do today, and, and I'm not leaving till I'm getting them done." I'm a lot better at like falling into a creative project for three days and not knowing when to pick my head up until Chloe says, "Nearly there's these 17 things you were supposed to do in the last three days, and you've forgotten about right. all of them." Right. Right. <laughs> so, uh, and how big is your team now? There's five of us full time. Okay, 
Awesome. And you guys are based out of New York, obviously. Um, so um, I've also seen recently that you guys have collaborated collaborated with some other woman-based companies, such as Tuckernock, which is really cool. Um, and how has that helped you guys grow as a company? Because I always think it's really cool when I see women helping women. Because um, yeah. I do think it really helps you know, both companies when they do collaborate. Yeah, we totally agree. We, mm-hmm. we try to collaborate as much as we can, whether it be for a product collaboration, which are obviously the more difficult, or uh, events, or uh, whatever it may be. We always think that that um, intersection of two companies is really, really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get their followers, and they get yours, and um, there's really no downside to it. Yeah. Um, so we... Uh, Honestly, I don't even know how we originally got connected to the Tuckernock Girls. Um, Philadelphia. Yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah. from Philadelphia. So I guess got connected to her. Um, they're so wonderful. We love working with them. Um, and they originally, we did like one trunk show with them and then they started buying our products from us. Okay. Uh, and we just like have continued to work with them. We have a very similar customer. Mm-hmm. Um, and whenever we do things with them, we always goes well mm-hmm. so we both get, and, and they're really uh down to earth and and totally it, it's so fun to sit and talk with them about you know commiserate yeah commiserate. yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, but we did you know um collaborating and partnering with other brands especially um female brands is it's it benefits both companies and yeah. it's um you know i try that's part of one of my roles and i really try and and figure out new ways to work with people. I love that. And yeah, shout out to September Rainier Vada because she yeah. went to um she was on the podcast this past a few months ago. So um, oh, she's so great. Yeah, she's really sweet. So that was really fun having her. Um, so do you guys have time for rapid fire questions? Sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, these are fun. But um, so when you guys think of the word success, who do you guys think of? And it can be more than one person. Uh, probably my dad. I was going to say, I think either yeah. one of my parents, and probably okay. in pretty different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you want to. I just think my dad, you know, we look up to him. He built a business when he was so young and a very successful one. So I think, obviously, that's a lot of inspiration for us and, and our company. Um, and then and I think my mom, too. I think it's obviously it's a very different career path. She, she actually didn't go to college. She was... She loved working. She worked after school in a boutique and then went to work at Bond with Teller, which is no longer, but I think was essentially the equivalent of Neiman Marcus. Okay. Came a buyer. She worked as a merchant at Eagle's Eye where she met my dad. And, um, you know, she's got five kids and it seems to be running the world from what I can tell. I yeah. Can, it doesn't seem to me like Agnes Irwin would be able to function without her. We're like, you know <laughs> that we don't go there anymore, right, Mom? So I think, you know, she's... It's obviously different. It's not, she's not the CEO of anything, but she's, um, you know, she's so passionate about everything she does and mm-hmm. takes, is so driven and um, sees everything through to its very end. So I mm-hmm. think she's just been so successful in building a life and um, everything that goes along with it. That's so nice. Um, and then what advice would you guys give to your 22-year-old self? So you're just about to graduate college. Yeah, don't worry, you're really young. Okay. <laughs> like, I thought I was so old when I graduated college. Right. And not that I'm old now, but I think so you think that you're, a lot happens in your life from 
you know, 22 until you're 26, 27, mm-hmm. and uh, to not worry and things work out for a reason. And yeah, I think I think realize you're young. I think yeah. work really hard and take advantage of whatever opportunities come your way. Um, but things are going to work out the way they're supposed to. There's a little bit of faith in there. Totally. But I think you got to work hard to make it happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, now this might be kind of tough one if you guys didn't think about it already. So don't worry if you guys don't have anything. But um, if you could have a billboard, um, what would you put on it? We did talk about it. Oh, you did. Good. <laughs> Please shop at www.neilandchloe.com. <laughs> I think we gotta put that. We, that's our. I think there's a little bit of advice that has to go out to every business owner everywhere. That yeah. When you have an opportunity for a shameless plug, you gotta do it. And yeah. if, we're, if we are getting a billboard, it's gonna be an advertisement. Yeah, yeah. Full on advertisement for the company. I, I totally agree with that. One of the things you have to start getting comfortable with is like you. I really do have these experiences where every once in a while someone will be like, "Oh, I love your bag," and you're like, "Oh, would you like a business card? I can give you a business card." In fact, if you pull up your cell phone, I can put you directly on our website if you want. A broker yesterday, actually, we were looking at an apartment. She's like, Oh, I like your bag. I was like, Oh, it's Neely and Chloe. Have you heard of it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Oh, my God. I love that. Um, I think the shamelessness, Chloe's very, very good at being shameless. Um, And I think it's a really important, probably underrated quality when you're trying to start your own business. I'll ask anyone to host a drunk show. Yeah. Even if I don't know them. If there's any listeners out there (laughs) interested in having us to your hometown, (laughs) I I show up. I love it. I love it. I felt the same way with the podcast a little bit. In the beginning, I was like a little bit nervous to like always be posting and everything. And now I'm like, that's what you have to do. You have to put yourself out there at all times. People want to help. Yeah. Like they really do. And you just, most people will always say yes. And you normally get um, a really good outcome. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, So if you guys could give one book to everyone, what would it be? It's harder to be in the billboard. <laughs> um, so, like, it's like really corny, but like my favorite book I've read seriously is The Help. Like, I know yeah. it's like the corniest book ever, but like I loved it and I cried and I would tell everyone to read it. Right? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a tough <laughs> one. It's a hard question. I, <laughs> um, um, I think I would do more of like a classic book for me, like maybe Capture in the Rye is a great one. Just yeah. Sort of a, good coming of age story and everybody should read it at some point for sure no those are good answers for real um and then do you guys have any daily routines that help you conquer the day making your bed yeah i agree with Number that one. yeah make your bed. yeah yeah um if my mom is listening she will be proud yeah i can't <laughs> leave the apartment if my bed is not made uh, actually, yeah i, I mean we, i i make my bed every day i'm convinced that chloe has somebody that's coming in every morning making <laughs> hospital quarters out of hers because he literally could bounce quarters off of her bed. It looks so nice. I don't know how she does it, but yeah. uh, no, I mean, I do think starting your day out with a task that you can complete just sort of puts you on the right path. Mm-hmm. I'd love to say that I get up and run six miles every morning, yeah. but that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think for me, that's about um, as routine as it gets. And I think it's, I, yeah. it's just like an important task to check off your to-do list and just set your day on the right path yeah I I would say making it too I I am a um I do work out every morning okay I try to um and I for me it's like a especially running or going to yoga or something like that is a very therapeutic um thing for me so Mm -hmm. 
basically if I'm really stressed at work or whatever's going on, it's nice to, um, you know, give myself an hour or 30 minutes or whatever it is to kind of just be mindless and um, de-stress a little bit. Yeah. I, on the other hand, find going on a run for an hour to increase my stress levels. (laughs) (laughs) You know, to each their own. No, I hear you for sure. Um, I'm a big runner, but my best friend is not. And she's like, it's like, it's the same thing. She's just like, no, that's the last thing I want to do when I wake up. Um, but (laughs) so I think we covered everything. So I think the last thing is, so where can everyone find you guys? So this is your time to let everyone know, you know, where they can follow you guys. Yeah. And then you can follow us. On Instagram, it's just at Neely and Chloe. We're very searchable, which is yeah. great. Okay. Um, I think luckily my parents gave me a weird name, which yeah. has been super helpful. <laughs> so if you Google Neely and Chloe, we'll come up everywhere. Um, you can always call our showroom, which again, if you just Google it, it'll show up there. And then you can you can buy online or visit oh, us in New York. Yeah. Or we'll come to your hometown if you want to host a show show. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. And I'll make sure to include in the show notes, um, you know, where they can find you guys and everything else. So it'll Great. direct awesome. everyone. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Hi, everybody. Thank you so very much for taking the time to listen to High Five Success Stories. To learn more about the podcast, feel free to follow me on Instagram. My handle is at High Five Success or on Facebook. You can like High Five Success Stories with Steph Hayden. Or I'm also on Twitter. My handle is at High Five Hayden. And lastly, you can subscribe to the newsletter on my website, www.stephhayden.com. And if you get a second, I would really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast on iTunes. Thanks so much.